Psalm 48, 1, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Amen? Amen. And uh, praise the Lord for the building. You know, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And I guess that's true for a building. If any building be in Christ, it's a new building. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And uh, the Lord has done great and mighty things right here at Arise Baptist Church, a soul-saving station. Amen. Amen? Amen? And that's the only reason the Lord hadn't come back yet is He's using us to bring others into the kingdom of God. Amen. What a joy it was to start the service off singing about the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, I appreciate that so much. Um, music's extremely important, especially music. The next hymn we sung, we sang today, I Sing the Mighty Power of God. The old hymns are so filled with Bible doctrine. Amen. That's why they're so important. And um, so many of the attributes even of God, you know, in, or, or just in that one song, the omniscience, the omnipotence and the... and the, the attributes of God in that one song. That's why it's so important. Uh, it's a joy to be here and uh, uh, just got out of jail. They let me out to be here and I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I am I'm the lead, lead chaplain at the 701 facility in downtown. I was the lead chaplain of the entire jail when we had 14,000 inmates in downtown Houston. I think Ken was there. You were there, Ken, when we had 14,000 inmates. I, live, I lived in Tomball for many years. The population of Tomball, Texas is 10,500. We had more people in that jail than the town that I lived in. The Lord, um, I have to pinch myself just the, the, the faithfulness of God and what the, what the Lord has done. In, in having, having me in that jail, the very jail where I sat um, for right at two years, um, <clears throat> it was the jail I was sitting in on my eighth felony um, in 1977. And the state of Texas um, had recommended that I spend 20 years in a Texas Department of Corrections, and um, I was addicted to heroin, a drug called methadone, and another drug called hydrocodone, which some of y'all know all about. And I was without hope, I was without God. The state of Texas tried to fix me. They can't fix anybody, amen? We got a lot of people in the world right now trying to fix this world who can't even fix themselves, starting with Washington, D.C. Because the only answer is the new birth, plus nothing, minus nothing. And I was in that courtroom, and um, God showed up, and uh, you know, the Lord is, is, is always pursuing us. We can't run from God. David said it best in Psalm 1. In Psalm 139, he said, Lord, whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, 
and thy right hand shall hold me. Um, I was born and raised. Matter of fact, my parents had a house here in Garden Oaks. Uh, this is where they, I was conceived right here, brother, in 1954. And um, both of my parents were se severe alcoholics. And um, I came out of a home that was, there was no Bible, there was no God. I never mentioned, the only time I heard the name Jesus Christ was uh, in a cuss word. It all culminated at age 15. My mom and dad were having a huge fight. And um, my dad died in the middle of the fight of, of a heart attack, died in my arms actually. And um, just a few months later, I was introduced to heroin and um, for eight long years I was running from God I had a, a sister that had come to the Lord at the University of Texas she had come to the Lord I think through Campus Crusade for Christ back then and uh, she brought me down um, to a James Robinson crusade back in the day uh, he was really preaching I mean that man was preaching the paint off the walls back in the day he was He's preaching hell and preaching it hot. And uh, I made a profession of faith in, in the Houston Coliseum, but um, I had no discipleship. I had nobody. I had no, uh, no connections with anybody. My sister didn't live here. And so I, I, I drifted. I began to run from God. And uh, so fast forward, standing in this courtroom at age 24, 1977. And... My attorney was a man by the name of Mr. White, Thomas White, was a member of Second Baptist Church in Houston. His son Richard and I were best friends. Well, Richard died uh, due to heroin, and Mr. White said, Johnny, I'm not going to let you die. Like Richard, we're going to get you some help. I've got a very close friend by the name of Brother Roloff. And when I heard Brother Roloff, I thought, man, I'm in trouble now. I'm going to a cult. You know, I didn't know what, what was going on. And uh, they ended up uh, court ordering me to a place called the Lighthouse. Now, my attorney, Mr. White, didn't tell me anything about the Lighthouse. He didn't mention God, didn't mention the Bible, nothing. And, uh, and so the judge said, Mr. Downs, we are going to um, put you at the Lighthouse. You have to be there at least two years, no less than two years. If you leave the lighthouse or you get thrown out of the lighthouse, you will do 20 years and one day in the, in the Texas Department of Corrections. And uh, they were pretty much uh, done with me. Um, we had, we had um, burglarized Stuart Morris's house of Stuart Title Company, who was best friends of the mayor, and uh, it, was, it was not a good day for me. And that's another story. I ended up, they ended up supporting my prison ministry years later after I got saved. But they court ordered me to the lighthouse. And um, it's August 1978 that I got there. And um, the only way you could get to the lighthouse, it was 40 miles south of Corpus Christi. It was when the Army Corps of Engineers cut, did the land cut, they cut the intercoastal canal back in the 40s, I think it was. They piled up the... The, the, the dirt and made these man-made islands. And Brother Roloff, who was an evangelist, uh, for those of you that don't know, you can Google it. Of course, there's a lot of nonsense on the internet about Brother Roloff. I was very close. He was like a dad to me. Don't believe what you read on the internet. Can I get an amen on that? 
And um, so Brother Roloff went to the state of Texas. He, he, he was doing tent meetings back in the 40s and 50s. These were bona fide revivals. There were souls, thousands of souls got saved in South Texas, all over Georgia when Brother Roloff was preaching in these huge tent meetings. And when the drugs came in during the 60s and the rock and roll and all, then uh, Brother Roloff started seeing parents, would, they, he would have hundreds of parents waiting for him because their daughter had been, you know, maybe gotten pregnant, their son was on drugs, and he started these homes for young people. That's how the whole thing got started. And he, he purchased a permit to build that dormitory on an island. The only way you could get down there was by boat and airplane, and uh, th that's where they put me. Uh, the guy that picked me up was uh, a guy who was a hell's angel. He was running it, and uh, he was from California. He'd been born again, and um, <clears throat> he, um, he said, listen, uh, <clears throat> he took, my, took cigarettes out of my pocket, and he said, uh, there, there's no smoke in here. This is the Lord's house. I said, oh, man. Oh, man. And uh, he, uh, <clears throat> he said, well, this is called the You Will program. It'll do, you'll do exactly what we tell you to do. He handed me a King James Bible, amen, and uh, first Bible I'd ever touched. He gave me a King James Bible. Uh, all we were allowed to have, and this is awesome, all we were allowed to have was a King James Bible, a Matthew Henry commentary, a Strong's Exhaustive Concordance, and an, an old English dictionary. No other books were allowed. And I also, I had a, a, a Spurgeon morning and evening devotional. Amen? Which I still read today. Sure do. Amen. Got an amen over there. That's right. They said you'll have one chapter of the Word of God memorized per month, word perfect, or you'll run on the lap track. Um, and um, if we catch you singing rock and roll music, you're going to run on the obstacle course. If you get, talking, get caught talking about old times, you're going to run on the obstacle course. And um, if you disobey authority, you're going to run, and, and they practice corporal punishment, just like you used to do in high school, amen, in junior high. Yeah. Will, I know Will, I know Will got swats, amen? <laughs> but I mean, let me tell you something, three months into that program, I was ready for the Olympics. I mean, I was, out, I was, on, I was on the lap track every day, and, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, God knew exactly what I needed. I was a rebel. I was a rebel. I was a smart aleck. I didn't need God because I was God. Nine months into that program, um, we had chapel three times a day. We had some great preachers that would fly. Brother Wolf would fly down there and and the guy got up and preached, um, and the text was 2 Corinthians 7.10. Godly sorrow worketh repentance unto salvation, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. And for the first, and, and the Holy Spirit of God quickened that one verse to me. That's all it takes. One verse. Sometimes one word out of the Word of God. He quickened that verse to my heart and I realized I'd always been sorry that I got caught. I was always sorry that I'd let so-and-so down, let my sister down. But for the first time in my life, I realized, God, I'm breaking your heart. 
I am breaking the heart of the God who created me, the God who died for me on the cross. And I got on the chapel floor that day at the lighthouse and I said, Lord, you know what? I didn't even know how to pray. I said, Lord, I'm going to tell you what. I am sorry, Lord Jesus. And I'm, Lord, I've asked you, Lord, to forgive me. I turn to you. I turn to you fully, God, and I am going to be, I, get, I remember I prayed, God, I give you my life lock, stock, and barrel. I didn't even know what that meant, the will, but I, did, I knew it meant everything. Amen? <laughs> and I said, uh, I'm going to be as dedicated to you as I was to heroin. And I've tried to fulfill that for the past 44 or so years. And I've tried to honor the man that literally blew off, flew the wings off his airplane. He flew out of Corpus Christi. The wing came off his airplane in 1982. He just sent me off to Tennessee Temple University. And I said, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish good, not only for you, but for the man who loved knuckleheads. Amen? <laughs> the worse off you were, the more this guy loved you. And you knew it, and everybody knew it. The worst of the worst, we all knew there's a lot of phonies in ministry. We know that. But he was authentic. Amen. And you got a pastor. You just, I just told Larry, sitting right here, I said, you know the thing I like best about will? Authenticity. Amen? Amen. I agree, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Keeping the main thing the main thing. And so I stayed down there four years. And... Uh, Went off to uh, Tennessee Temple. I got my GED while I was there. Amen. I didn't even have a high school diploma. <coughs> what is a GED? Well, it stands for get her done. Amen. <coughs> anyway, so I had to get a GED and then go off to college. I had to take bonehead English. Everything was called bonehead. And uh, stayed there four years where I met my precious wife, Ann. And, um, and then the Lord brought us back here to Houston. And I went on staff with... Uh, at Greenwood, I went on staff with Brother Pope. Uh, <clears throat> for 10 years, I was with Brother Pope, and we had a blast together. Saw God do a lot of things, and then the Lord spoke to me. Um, and he speaks primarily. You just remember, when the Word of God is open, the voice of God is heard. People talking about, I heard God, heard God told me. I said, well, what do you mean you heard God? What do you mean God told you? God primarily speaks. I'm not saying God can't speak other ways. We know the heavens declare the glory of God, formeth the show of his handiwork, day into day utter speech, and night into night showeth knowledge. Where's that, where's that verse right there? Anybody know? Where? Everybody in there needs to memorize this chapter. The greatest chapter in the Word of God is Psalm. Who said it? Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. God is always speaking. God wrote two books. And one of them's not the Book of Mormon. Amen? <laughs> the heavens creation declares the glory of God. Nature is one of God's books. That book tells us about the glory of God. He wrote another book called the Bible that tells us how to get into the glory. Amen? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's what is right. For reproof, that's what is wrong. For correction, that's how to get right. And for instruction, that's how we stay right. And so after being on staff at the church, uh, God led me back to the jail 
um, where I sat as a defeated heroin addict. And then the Lord gave great favor and put me in charge of the jail so that I was able to handpick knuckleheads like your pastor, amen, to, to come into that jail. Ken Rembert, one of the biggest knuckleheads I've ever met. And uh, no, one of the most faithful volunteers I've ever had at the Harris County Jail is Ken Rembert. And um, <clears throat> good to see you, Mrs. Rembert. And uh, if, the, if the Holy Spirit leads you to bake me one of those pies, don't quench the spirit. Do not, don't, don't squinch him, amen? Don't quench the, don't quench the spirit. But um, <clears throat> it's an honor to be here today, and I um, want us to open our Bibles up to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Somebody help Ken find that in the Bible back there. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let me, let me tell you what else I appreciate about this morning. <clears throat> you know, you think about the early church, what they did in the early church. They read Paul's letters. That's what they did. And so... I, it's been a long time since I've been in a church where the Word of God is just read like we read it today. Y'all do that every service? Huge. It's huge. Because when the Word of God is read, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Thank you for that, Will. Bless me to hear the Word. And that, he did. Where is that guy that read it? Man, he, he was going on it. Amen? Huh? I mean, he, he did a good job on that. Made me want to just charge hell with a wet rag. I mean, it was good. I mean, mm, love that stuff. In 2 Timothy 2, Paul is writing to this young man. He's giving him a charge. He's saying, sick him to young Timothy. In 2 Timothy 2, <clears throat> Let's stand together as we read this. Let's just stand together and read this. Um, and starting in verse number one. <clears throat> Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard among me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man strive for mastery, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husband or the hardworking farmer that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Now consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. This is important. That's an important verse. Consider what I just said. What did he say? He said, we're in a war. Be a good soldier. Amen? He said, we're in a race. You need to compete according to the rules. You need to be disciplined. And then he said, we're in a harvest. You need to be a hardworking farmer. We're in a harvest. This is harvest time. We need to be at it. 
And then in verse number 8, Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer even unto bonds or chains. But I like this, but the word of God is not bound. Amen? Amen. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. Verse 13. I love this verse. I love this chapter. This is a top 25 chapter for me. The whole chapter. This chapter. But this verse. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot, that is God, he cannot deny himself. What a verse. Let's pray. Father, what we, what we know not, Lord, we, we just pray you would teach us today. And, and Lord, what, what we are not, we just pray you'd just make us. Help us to be conformed to your image and quicken thy word to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. If we believe not, yet he that is God always abides Faithful. I want to talk a, a little bit today about the faithfulness of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. The faithfulness of our unchanging God. It's so easy to talk about the Lord, isn't it? Yes. You know, I do funerals all the time. I, I have several men that were in their 80s and 90s that volunteer at the jail. And they, they're, since COVID, they're all dying. None of them have come back. One man by the name of Brother Turpin attended our church, South Winds Baptist Church, back, way back. He wanted to come in and he was 92 years old, Will. And I said, Brother Turpin, you want to come in? I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll come pick you up. I'll come pick you up every Thursday. He said, John, you, I mean, John, you, you, what do you do? I said, I'll pick you up. And so, man, I brought Brother Turpin in, and, and uh, we're coming through the metal detector. And the, and the major at that time was a guy named Major Barry. This guy was, but he was rough. I mean, he was rough. And he knew I was a felon. He didn't think I should even be in there. Mm -hmm. I know how you got in here, but I wouldn't let you in here. That's what he told me one day. I said, well, you're a blessing, amen. But anyway, I just said, Lord, move him, amen. I, I pray for God to move people. But anyway, uh, I'm bringing Brother Turpin in, and uh, Major Barry's standing at the metal detector that day, and he said, Chapman Downs, come here, come here. That man cannot come in this jail. He's too old. And I knew Major Barry's a Marine. He was a Marine. And I said, okay, Major Barry, I understand what you're saying. Now, Brother Turpin was landed in the first wave of the Normandy invasion. And I said, now, I'll tell you what. Uh, you go tell him he can't come in because I'm not going to tell him. And Major Barry said, no, let him in here. Amen. And uh, let him in. Let him come in. 
And uh, he, um, he came in. I, first tank I took him to was a certified juveniles. These were kids that were certified to stand trial as adults because they had done either a capital murder, very serious crime. And um, I watched old brother Turpin went in that tank and he told about a little bit about being in Germany and, and how he gave his life to Christ. And, and, uh, and then he did an invitation and he said, if you want to get, if you want to get, get ready to go home to be with Jesus, if you don't know where you go today, we're going to get on this cement floor and we're going to pray right now. You can pray. I'm going to, I'm going to pray with you. And I'm going to tell you about 10 of them kids. Um, they, 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 they weeping, got down and got saved. And man, Brother Turpin, he, he, uh, he never turned back. He was just faithful, faithful, faithful. And when I did his funeral, I remember we were leaving the jail. Will, the, the doors, the big old metal doors, they, they slide like, you know, they slide up. We were walking out and I said, Brother Turpin, get that door behind you. Just slide it closed for me. He had on his hearing aids. He slid that door. And he looked at me and he said, bro, I guess that's why they call it the slammer. Amen. That's what he said. So when I did, when I did his uh, funeral, um, I didn't, you, you know, when you, when you do a funeral like that, for guys like that, all these guys from, that, that I had like 12 of them coming in that were either in their 80s or 90s and I'm doing their funerals. I don't even have to prepare. These men walked so close to God, they preached their own funeral. And you know, when it comes to preaching about our Lord, whew, faithful, faithful is our Lord. And I want to talk about that today in the time we have left. The faithfulness of God. Number one, I would say the Lord is faithful in His salvation. He's faithful to save sinners. In Matthew 1, when the angels came to you, they said, And thou shalt call His name Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. That's what he does. He's Savior. He's faithful to save. Paul said in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ as the power of God into salvation to all who believe. Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. We got this... We got some strange doctrines floating around out there. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a revival of this nonsense in the jails that says Christ didn't die for all. He only died for some. Well, I'm here to say the atonement of Jesus Christ is sufficient for all, but it's only efficient to those who believe. That's what the Bible says. It's sufficient for all, and it's efficient to those who believe. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, 1 Timothy says, chapter 2, who would have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Christ is faithful to save sinners. That's why I go to jail. 
That's why I go to jail. I know when I go to jail, I'm not the greatest preacher in the world. I'm not the greatest soul winner. But, but I'm going to tell you, when I'm down there, I know that Christ is drawing men to him. I got a sergeant down there. He's moved now. He moved to, to Colorado. But uh, he was there for a long time. And so one day I told him, I said, bro, you know what? Winning guys to Jesus in this jail is like shooting chickens on the yard. <laughs> Man, he got a hold of that, Ken. And he would get, there'd be a fight in the dormitory. And he'd get an inmate who was in the fight or something, he'd bring him in his office, and when he'd start preaching to him. But he, he, he couldn't, because he was in uniform, he couldn't lead him to the Lord. So he, he said, bro, I'm going to text you when I got a guy in my office. As soon as I text you, you get... So he would text me, and all they'd say is, I got a chicken on the, on the fence right now. I got a chicken on the yard. Get over here. <laughs> and man, I'm going to tell you, we probably won over 100 men to the Lord in that office. Amen? Amen. And I tell you, uh, of course... You know, I just, I just share what the Lord's done and share the pure gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. That Christ died, was buried, and rose again. Amen? The Bible is a book. You say, Brother Downs, is there, is, is, what is the theme of the Bible? Is there one message that runs through the entire Bible? Sure is. It's called salvation. From start to finish. It is God who saves us. We don't save ourselves. Amen? Or, <laughs> it is God that saves us because we cannot save ourselves. This is the record that God has given unto us eternal life, and that life is in His Son. He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son of God has not life. That's the word of the Lord. He's faithful to save. That's a great word. Salvation. We are saved from the penalty of sin. We quoted that great chapter, didn't we? What a chapter. Everybody, well, I mean, we read it, part of it this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. And then verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. What, is, what, what, is, what does God demand for you to go to heaven? He demands absolute perfection. <laughs> Who qualifies? None of us. That's why Christ came, was born of a virgin, died for us. There's only two kinds of religion in the world. There's a religion of human achievement, that's every world religion, name them. Islam, Mormonism, Catholicism, name them all. It's the religion of what you can do. What you do, do you pray enough? Do you belong to a certain church? And then there's Christianity. It is the religion of divine accomplishment. Amen. 
It's either human achievement or divine accomplishment. Christ said it's finished. We rest in the redemption of the Lord. We're not working our way there. I'm not here today at this church trying to get brownie points with God. I am at this church because the grace of God, the salvation of Christ compels me to go, compels me to come be with God's people. Nobody makes me read my Bible. Nobody makes me go to the jail. The jail is the last place I wanted to go back to. Trust me. It was a dungeon in the 70s. It's still pretty bad. I'm motivated by grace. I'm saved. Christ saves us from the penalty of sin. Let me tell you something. We don't have to pillow our head and worry about where we're going when we die. If we know that we know that we know we receive the finished work of Christ. We're not only saved from the penalty of sin. Salvation's a great word. And not every time you see the word saved in the Bible or salvation does it mean being born again. Sometimes it means being delivered from sin. You see, we're saved from the penalty of sin, but we're also saved from the power of sin. I haven't had a needle in my arm in 40-something years. I haven't been doing the same stuff that I was doing. I hadn't had the same speech that I had before I got saved because sin still remains, but it no longer reigns. I have to make the inmates understand that because they, they get saved in church or, or get saved in one-on-one stuff. Then they go back to the cell block. It's the same old stuff they're doing, and they, they have to realize sin still remains but it no longer has to reign because we're saved from the power of sin. The salvation of the Lord. God is faithful to save, as I heard Will say it earlier, saves to the uttermost and praise God to the guttermost. Amen? That's right. From the uttermost to the guttermost. And, and so we're saved from the penalty of sin we're being saved from the power of sin. <clears throat> One day we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. I was a chaplain on death row for eight years. Went to a lot of executions with guys that I brought, was able to be part of bringing them to Christ. Went with them. But every Friday night we met for a Bible study on Texas death row before they moved them to Livingston. And I would always say, cheer up, we'll soon be dead. Amen. That's what I'd say. Some of them were like, looking at me like a calf, looking at a new guy. But, you know, I don't know about you. I'm ready to go right now. Huh? As we see this stuff going on around, you know what? Every Christian, every single Christian ought to be homesick right now. Groaning. We read Romans 8. Groaning. There's three groans in Romans 8. Creation is groaning. The earth is groaning. Because the earth is under a curse right now. The world that we live in, folks, ladies and gentlemen, it's not the world as God meant it to be originally. Jesus said from the beginning it was not so. This world is broken. So even the universe is groaning for the second coming of Christ, Romans 8. And then we ourselves are groaning. With a family yesterday, my wife and I start, started a ministry for parents that have lost kids. We buried our son four years ago. 
And God, God's taken that and is using it for His glory now. Amen? These parents were, you couldn't console them. It just happened. One of these days they'll see their son again. Amen? They'll see their son again. He will be well. He will be healthy. We're all groaning. Amen? The older you get, Ken, you groaning? A little bit? Huh? Groaning. Groaning. Won't be long. <clears throat> we'll be ATW. You know what that means? Every inmate knows what ATW means. When you get, <clears throat> when you complete your sentence, they say you are ATW. It means all the way, all the way home. Amen? Amen. We're going to be ATW. Won't be long. Won't be long. Because we are, we're going to be saved from the presence of sin. Won't that be good? Amen? Amen. We'll never have to ever say to God, forgive me, Lord, I failed you again. Going to be good. I might even have a full head of hair up there. Amen. That's right. See? Huh? Yeah, you better shake your head like, yeah. yeah. But you, you, you took it all off. I had an inmate cut my hair not long ago, and he said, Brother Dan, you got some fuzz up there. You want me to take it off? I said, No, man, leave it on there. He said, You're in denial, brother. That's what he said. He's faithful to say. I love this. First, first Timothy 1 Timothy 1.15. This is a faithful saying. This is a great verse. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He came into the world. You know, an inmate asked me, he was a floor worker. He was sitting by the elevator that day. He said, what's your name? I said, my name's Chief. He said, Chief? I said, yeah, Chief. He said, man, I ain't never heard that name before. I said, well, here it is right here. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I said, you just call me chief. Amen? <laughs> he came in the world to save sinners. That's what he does. He saves sinners. He can purify a prostitute. He can dry up a drunkard. Amen? Hey, dry up a drunkard. You know, the hardest thing he does, though, is save a religious person. But he can do it. Amen? These church members are tough, man. You know, you start talking about sin, you talk, start talking about sin, you start talking about works versus, they say, you talking to me? No, I'm not talking to you, God is. God took three chapters in Romans to indict the entire world. And in chapter 2, he indicts the religious bunch. Religious, but no relationship. Not only is God faithful to save, he's faithful to sustain us. And in these days, these days that we're living in, we need to remember the faithfulness of God to sustain us. This is a verse that a lot of you have memorized. I want us just to remind you right now. Let's go over there to Lamentations, the book of Lamentations. It's Isaiah. Look at Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then Lamentations. And if it takes you, if you're, if you're looking at it, if you're looking for it for about five minutes too long, just act like you found it. Amen. Lamentations, <laughs> Lamentations 3. Everybody ought to have these verses memorized. The context of Lamentations is total devastation. The people of God 
have gone into captivity. The nation of Israel, God has brought it down. They are no longer, they are no longer in their country. Their country is gone. They have forsaken God, and it's not a pretty sight. And we're sailing into some rough territory in this nation right now ourselves. The world, the entire world, ladies and gentlemen, is heading into some some stuff right now. And you're going to need this right here. And so right in the middle, if you read Lamentations, it's depressing, man. You're like, oh man, this could, this dude, wow, what? I mean, he's talking about everything they're going through and what he's going through personally. Look at verse 18. My strength and my hope is perish. <laughs> Remember my affliction, my misery, wormwood, gall. My soul hath them in remembrance is humbled than this. Verse 21. This is key right here. This I recall, though. This I recall. In the midst of these trials and tribulations, this I recall. Therefore, I have hope. What did he recall? Verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, God. God is not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's going to be with us through the trials and tribulations. He will sustain us. But I, want, I just wanted to remind you today, I don't have anything new to tell you. Not my job. My job is to remind you of some very simple stuff. Read your Bible every day. This is not rocket science. Okay? You're going to, and not only just read it, you say, Brother Downs, man, you memorize that scripture. Well, well, thank goodness I was court ordered, amen. But I'm going I'm to tell you this much, though. What I did most of my memory work was done because I was desperate. I didn't do it because I was, I, most, of the, most of the memorization that I did, I didn't do because I was made to. And I'm going to tell you, I've, I've been through in the last 40 years, some very, very deep trials, brother. And the thing that sustained me was the faithfulness of God in bringing Scripture to my memory. And if you do not have the Scripture in the hard drive, when it hits you, He's not going to have anything to retrieve. God will be faithful to sustain you with His grace and with His Word. I, there's verses you need, you need. For our light affliction worketh for us far more great eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, but the things which are seen are temporary but the things which are not seen are eternal. We're talking about verses like that to remind you it ain't over. This is all temporary right now. It won't be long. We'll be home. Yes. Romans 8, that we, we, we quoted some, all these key chapters. It's the Word of God you need. It's the Word of God I need. 
I'm still I'm memorizing new chapters. I'm hiding God's word in my heart because I need it. It's, God says, and think about this verse. Context is, once again, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He's talking about the idolatry of the Israelites. And he said, there are no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. God is faithful. Talking about the faithfulness of God. Who will not permit you or suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear. That's a good verse to have in the hard drive. God, you're going to make a way out of this. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to make a way. There's no temptation, whether it be testing or whether it be you're going through something because you shot yourself in the foot. You drifted away from God. You made some really bad decisions. All of us do. Amen. All of us. The songwriter put it this way. <clears throat> prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Come home. There's people in this building right now. You need to come home. You have not, you have not been in the word of God. You have been unfaithful to the Lord. You've been committing spiritual adultery on the Lord. When you picked a good day to come to church, just come home. There, God is faithful to restore you. Amen? That's what He does. He's always about reconciliation, bringing people back to the Lord. But you need the, you need the Word. Romans 8, 28, we quoted it earlier, one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible. We don't have time to look at that whole verse. It doesn't say all things are good. It's not what it says. Nothing good about cancer. Never meant to be. It's here. It says all things, it says, and we know, this is only for Christians, this isn't for the world. God, you know, people, some of the inmates always tell me, they say, well, you know what, everything happens for a reason. And it is what it is. That's what I say. You know, it is what you made it, bro. You stuck a gun in somebody's face. What do you mean it is what it is? Everything happens for a reason. No, you are reaping what you sowed. Thus saith the Lord. Any questions? All things work together for good to those who what? Love God. Who are called according to His purpose. For whom did foreknow, He did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. He's allowing things, things are happening to us to conform us to the image of Christ. But God is faithful to sustain you. He's faithful to show you you know, I wouldn't wish some things that I've been through on anybody. But you know what? My, my greatest asset right now is what the Lord allowed me to go through. You know, I couldn't have got it at college. I couldn't have got it from reading a book. I had to get it by going through it. And if you're in a trial right now, Jesus says, come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And so as we move forward, 
in this land we live in America as we our hearts are grieved. Let's look to the faithfulness of God. Let's look to the God you're faithful. Nobody else is. You know, the other theme of the, of the Bible is the utter failure of all men. The Bible says all men at their very best state are altogether vanity. Look to the Lord. Look to the Lord. Get your eyes off of this stuff and onto the Lord and into His Word. Let's bow together. Lord, we love you so much. We, 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 we truly do, Lord. We love you, but we need you to increase our capacity to love you more. Fashion our hearts, Lord, to be like your heart, to love the lost, to love the broken. And Lord, I thank you that you are faithful to save those who don't know you. You're faithful to draw them. You're faithful to seal them, to keep them. And before we, before we go today, if you're here today, you say, Brother Downs, I'm, not, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure about eternity this morning. I don't know that I know that I know you. I know about you, but I've never invited you to be my Lord and Savior. I've never turned to you in full repentance to say, Lord, I crown you King of kings and Lord of lords of my life. Thank you for dying for me, a sinful person. Thank you for taking what I deserve. Lord, I want to take you today. I want to nail it down. I want to nail this thing down once and for all. Give my life to you, Lord. That's you and you want me to pray for you, just say, pray for me, Chapman Downs. Brother Downs, just pray. Pray for me. I, I don't know that I'm ready. If you're like that, slip up your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Anybody like that? Okay. Lord, I just pray that you would do a work in every single heart in this room, including my heart, God. Please, God, break us. Break us, Lord. Make us, mold us into your image is our prayer now. Bless this church. Lord, I pray that you continue to guide and give wisdom to the leadership of this church and do something at a, at a rise Baptist church that can only be explained by the fact that you showed up and that you did it is our prayer now. In Jesus' name, amen.